I've hit record. I okay. I have hit record, and now we are we're in the middle Excellent. of a, of an important discussion about sauces. Yeah, because I'm sat here in my underwear drinking curry sauce out of a tub, which feels like a a new low. Except for the fact that I also know there would be gentlemen on the internet who would pay to watch it. So oh. in a way, I'm winning. And at least one woman who would pay to watch it. It's, it, it, it. It is called me. Well, I've already sent you a picture of me sat here in the underwear with the curry sauce. Yes, yes. And, and I'm... To prove it. I'm just kind of gawping at your tits. I'm, I'm a level with you. They're huge. I just sent a picture of my tits to my friend who I'm trying to um, charm. I left the curry sauce out of that one. I I wasn't wasn't sure which way that would um, that would push him. You're nerfing yourself then. That like the curry sauce, like you can you can imagine all sorts of of erotic scenarios with Is that curry what tips sauce. It over? Oh uh, yeah. Oh. I wish you would tip it over, all over yourself. All let oh, me tell you. Thick, viscous brown curry sauce all over my tits. Get in there. That is somebody's fetish. I guarantee it. It's not for me. Food isn't. Food in sex for me gives me two feelings. I, that's perfectly like that's waste of perfectly good food, and B. Someone's got to clean that up. It's why I've always struggled with piss. Sticky. I, I, I can't get, like, th there's different kinds of sticky, I feel. And the sticky associated with food, like, the most I could see in terms of erotic enjoyment of food is, like, like, if you're going out to dinner with someone, right? And, and you anticipate yeah. some banging. There are ways to eat food that is suggestive. And that, I'm not just talking about, oh, like... Oh, but suggestive food, sure. Like, if you get one of those little after-dinner chocolates, right? Yeah. And you, like, yeah. make a big show of placing it on your tongue and then closing your oh, mouth yeah. around your finger. Uh-huh. And, and that's... that's Because it suggests... Uh, As a method of, of alluring a potential partner sure it's more like when they just start like smearing things on each other That's like, oh i'm gonna drip some honey on you what if that attracted fruit flies and the like what if a bee got in here right now judging by what i've seen on the internet that's that might sweeten the deal for some people that's true some that's people true. are really into that <clears throat> i mean i've seen a man like put worms up his anus i didn't look for it someone sent it to me based on me talking at length about putting worms up someone's anus i know theoretically who's... yeah well we all we all know who if i could um choose any anus to put food up uh, worms up um or i feel like i'm chatting shit no los dos? i feel like i should sink us up and then i've got a very important question of the day a moral dilemma if you will all and right. then we can talk about all sorts of things. Maybe video games. Maybe. May have. Mm. Uh, could talk about the fella I wanked off in the park earlier this week. Grinder's been working out for me in a sort of fashion. But I'll tell you what, I'll sync us up. I'll sync us right. up. 
So if you found out that Hitler was a paedophile, would your opinion of him go down? Yeah. That's the thought that's been on my mind, because you'd think your opinion of him couldn't get much lower. Oh, we can always get lower. And then that's the thing. So that was the question on my mind. I'm glad we've answered that. Moving on, let's talk about your twisty cup. Yeah, this twisty cup. Oh, fuck. Like, every time I look at it, I'm reminded of the events that surrounded it. It's a, it's so, a, a, a green neon translucent cup that's about a foot tall. Yeah, it looks like a, like a DNA strand. It or does. a stretched pretzel, but like from the 90s when Gungeon Slime was a big thing. Oh god, yeah. Fucking thanks, Nickelodeon. You know, I tasted the official, like, slime that they used on their TV shows once. Oh, really? Yeah, I taste Because, like, I was in the audience on an episode of Figure It Out, the old uh, game right. show. Right. Never got that in the UK. We had Get Your Own Back for, like, Gunge, where you'd kids would have like oh my teacher makes me do homework oh humiliate them in this obstacle course full of soft spongy items and then we're gonna put them in slime i'm dave benson phillips ah um was it anything like that (laughs) no no figure it out was actually a much more uh good natured uh Mm. you had like various nickelodeon stars from their their different tv shows and whatnot and then you had a kid who had some sort of talent and they they had to guess it was like 20 questions okay but there was also slime and other things there's a whole story there but this twisty neon green cup i got it at the lancaster county uh super fair oh the super fair i've only ever been to the lancaster county mega fair um i've heard the super one is where it's at though well you say that. Um, I was not interested in carnival rides. I was there for the food. And so I, I I approached a food truck. I was with two friends of mine. And I I looked at the, the menu. I read their various offerings. And then I said out loud, Oh my God, deep fried spam on a stick. That is absolutely oh. disgusting. I must have it. I mean, you've got to give it a go. You've got to. And it was really good. Was it really good? It was really good. Because the thing is, right, it was a pancake batter that they used to deep fry it. Ah. Oh, that does sound munch, actually. And, and like, it, it, so it was, like, sweet and salty. And then mm. they also served it with mustard uh, honey and sriracha, and you could like sort of take your pick. Mm-hmm. And it was delicious. It was fantastic. I also like that. Liked, does this, sound nice. Yeah. I had this like enormous hot dog, which um, y- you told me, and you've said this a few times, that mm-hmm. Americans don't know how bad their food is, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. But as if to prove your point, my favorite food in the world is hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, all beef. Obviously, like good hot dogs. Mm. So I ate the deep fried spam on a stick. I'm nom nom all up. It was delicious. And then we went and looked at some animals that they had. They had some sheep. 
They had some ewes. They had some all sorts of stuff. Enormous rabbits. Like the largest rabbits I've ever seen in my life. Like they were the size of, of large cats. And then like an hour and a half passed and, you know, we all thought our stomachs had settled from the carnival food. So we went on a ride called the Tornado. That was a bad idea. Uh, deep fried spam on a stick tastes great on the way down. Not so much on the return trip. So I got this cup and they filled it with Coca-Cola so that I wasn't just tasting my own vomit. Yeah, that's never pleasant. That's never pleasant. I, also uh... somebody's fetish. Oh, absolutely. Again, I've been on the internet long enough that certain videos like that have, have crossed my path. There's nothing I could do. There's nothing I could say is someone's fetish that would surprise you. Not really. Maybe maybe leading Nazi officers being outed as, you know, diddlers. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised, but I would be like, oh, for God's sake, that's t- on top of the Nazism? That's, t- that's, that's rich. Yeah, being a Nazi is bad and being a pedophile is bad, but there's not like a horrible human being event horizon that you like there's not a level cap on it people can always get worse stephanie that is true that is true here's a great example right i found out that darby allen is a a domestic abuser and and just an all-around awful human being and my opinion of him plummeted and then i found out that there is a uh, there is a wall, a stone wall in Seattle, Washington, that's covered in used chewing gum. Uh, I found out that he dragged his tongue along the length of it for a giggle, and my opinion of him lowered. Because not only is he an abusive prick, he's an abusive prick who just decided one day to lick old pre-chewed gum on a stone wall. Yeah. Well, that's the Darby Allen is a twat section of the Trash Girl Diaries. That's banked. <laughs> Later on, we'll be talking about Final Fantasy. Uh, we probably will. Hello, Elsa. Welcome once again to our little show, What We Do and Put on the Internet, whether uh, it's a good idea or not. Uh, how are you doing this week, my darling? Um, you know, I woke up and I thought I had a cold. And it turns out that I don't, which is nice. That's that's really satisfying to to the relief that comes from not having a cold. Mm. And so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in relatively good spirits. I'm going to go get sushi later with a friend of mine and I'm drinking monster energy out of this strange cup. I played Plants vs. Zombies last night. Really? That's a... Uh... It's one of the biggest games in the world. I don't know why I'm like why I'm surprised when I hear someone's been playing it because presumably it's still massive. Well, the thing is, right? I only ever played the original game, you know, the 2009 right. game. And when I was a kid, I attached a lot of importance to review scores because that's the sort of thing that a child would care about. Well, of course. The only way that still manifests as an adult is that the phrase 10 out of 10 holds a sort of meaning to me. Mm. It's not something I toss out willy-nilly. No, I, I try and make sure, like, I've tried to make sure my entire career that if uh, if I'm plonking 
the venerated 10 on something and actually does mean something. A lot of my favorite reviews that you have written are are the 10s. Like, you know, the review that you wrote for Undertale or for Bloodborne, which is, and this is true, the best video game. I mean, um, I'm not going to fight you on that. I bring that up because, you know, Plants vs. Zombies somehow is a 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. Well, there's a purity to it. Right? There's a purity in its vision. And I think that often is... Because uh, I've I've often said, <clears throat> the more complicated something is, the more moving parts it has, the more there is to go wrong. If you have a, a simple but very good premise, which Plants vs. Zombies does have, like regardless of, of who made it and, and who publishes it, you can't deny that the game itself is a very pure experience mm-hmm. that doesn't overcomplicate itself, does just enough to keep itself feeling kind of uh, fresh, engaging, what have you. And therefore, I can easily see why someone would give that a 10. Just for the record, uh-huh. other 10s, in my mind, include Donkey Kong Country 2, but not 3. Because I, I have been playing 3 lately. It's funny because I was obsessed with the Donkey Kong Country games on the Super Nintendo as a child. I did not get 100% completion in any of them when I was a kid. So as an adult, I've, I've intermittently gone back to them to rectify that. To just, you know, my inner child is, is, is happy with me for having done that. I did it for the first game. I did it for the second game. And I, I never had anything but fun doing that for the second game. Some of the optional objectives in Donkey Kong Country 3 are fucking infuriating, and I I was literally two bonus levels away from 100% completion of Donkey Kong Country 3, and I stopped. Because there comes a time, and, and maybe that's part of growing up, you know, is, is realizing... Some shit is not worth it anymore. Mm. No when to fold him. Clearly. And it's frustrating because Donkey Kong Country 3 has a lot going for it. But it does kind of feel like the order of the day was just to make the game harder. Now I've never, um, never gone in for that. In fact, if I'm looking up a game that looks interesting on... Steam or the PlayStation Store or eShop or something, if in the first sentence the game in its description talks about how hard it is, I close it. Yeah. Because to me, that is no indication of whether... It, it's like when, when some big, you know, so-called AAA video game boasts about how big its open world map is. And I've always said, don't tell me how big it is. Tell me how dense it is. Don't tell me what the square footage is, tell me the variety of content that's in it. And the same goes for games that just say, we are good because we're hard. I don't want to know how hard it is. I want to know how well designed the difficulty of that is. If your chief selling point is, we are difficult, I would no sooner click on a game than I would someone's dating profile. (laughs) That's just it. Like, if all I wanted was 
crushing difficulty, I'd just go play the fucking Lion King again. But I haven't played the Lion King since I owned the physical cartridge. I have felt no desire to go back and play it, even though it is maybe the most difficult game I've ever played. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Lion King was cheap. That was an unequivocally cheap game in its Fuck difficulty that. by design. Um, we were talking about this on the uh, the Steph Sterling Discord, on uh, yes. Stephanie Sterling's Trash Palace, um, earlier today, actually, at the time of recording, because we were talking about when um, certain games in the, uh, particularly the 90s, were designed to be difficult to the point where they couldn't be beaten in a day, theoretically, so that in, in, the, in the twisted minds of game publishers, the idea was if a kid couldn't beat a game in a day, instead of renting it, they would buy it. And, you know, it's, it's a bit of an apocryphal thing. But as far as Lion King goes, there is actual sort of a history there where the developers, supposedly, they'd made Lion King for the Mega Drive and the... Um, it was on SNES as well, wasn't it? It was, because um, I, I didn't... Uh, I had the, the SNES version. Right. Um, but yeah, the devs had made the game, and then Disney uh, mandated that it be made harder and essentially less fair so that it couldn't be beaten in a day. And the devs didn't want to do it. But of course, you know, Disney were the ones that were with the purse strings. Um, and then several years later, the developers apologised um, because... They never wanted to do it in the first place. And yeah, you play that game. Like, there is a reason why there's a rewind feature on the re-release of yeah. that. Because it starts off okay, but it, it just becomes an unreasonable bloody game. Why did they even re-release The Lion King? Like, I get why they re-released Aladdin. Aladdin was fucking awesome. I think it was because they wanted to charge what they charged for it. And they were like, well, if we stick a second ROM on it, then uh, maybe it'll create the illusion of value you couldn't have fucking done cold shadow you couldn't have done toy story you couldn't have done mickey mania people are down for mickey mania for some fucking reason uh you know what like disney they just do not have their priorities straight in the world of video games they just do not and, no, and get your priorities straight disney yeah fucking a and and where's my cold shadow sequel pieces of right? shit I want my game about a blind ninja duck. Ever since you brought up Donkey Kong, for some reason, it's got... The only thing that's related is 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 a simian connection. I've just been thinking about skull monkeys. You know, I saw the box for that game in a lot of stores, and I, and I, I always thought it looked like something my mother would not want me to play. And because of that, Despite knowing nothing about it, I've always wanted to play it. I think that is a game I actually did rent back in the day. Skull. It was done by Neverhood. I don't think Doug Tenaple, the um, famed bigot, uh, had anything to do with it. That breaks um, my fucking heart. It he, mm. he may have. I mean, you know, as someone who loved Earthworm Jim. Loved uh, Earthworm Jim. It really Speaking is of. just horrible that Doug, Doug Tenaple turned out to be a rampant right-wing bigoted homophobic queerphobic piece of shit yeah no he's a absolute turd 
apparently he was the project lead for Skull Monkeys. Oh, well, that's a shame. I did like it back in the day. It was uh, it was another one of the games like Neverhood that had the kind of claymation graphics. I loved that aesthetic. Really did. You don't see it much. I think the last game I ever saw do it was uh, Passepartout, the little game about being a painter. The developer of Passepartout reached out to me uh, very recently, earlier this year, just to thank me for my coverage of it way, 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 way back in the day. Um, They were just, I think, thanks to you, it's why it ended up uh, getting to the point where it could have a Switch release. So that was really heartwarming. It's nice to be remembered. It's like all the fans of Second Wind, you know, the the what Yahtzee left the Escapist earlier this week and the entire Escapist video team left because the company in charge foolishly got rid of Nick, their video editor guy. And it was very heartwarming to see the amount of people like in the Discord and in the chat for their like big announcement live stream, like asking about me and whether or not Aww. I'd be joining up and whether like there'd be a chance for things like Rhyme Down Spectacular and like you know the other stuff I used to collaborate on with Yahtzee. Um and there was a heartwarming amount of people. Even people who were like had not kept up with me since I left the Escapist, like way back in twenty fourteen. It was very nice. Especially as someone who has just sort of occupied a new niche called obscurity. Um it was it was heartwarming to see. And I have not ruled it out. I've not ruled out that I'd find that very entertaining. That would be interesting. I joked the other day that um if there was a an escapist successor, I would apply for that because I would love the idea of an independently minded escapist successor because of course I I was very happy at the escapist until Defy Media, which was the corporation in charge of it at the time, once they started sticking their oar into the editorial side of things. Oh yeah, your your Assassin's Creed Unity review, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I quit on the spot. I um, for the sake of like the people working there, like who I still like really admired, and that like I didn't make a massive fuss about it. Plus, like they were really scared of me, which is why I actually got the rights to my show back which no one else who's left The Escapist have ever, like, gotten those, because they, they were scared that I'd, like, go off the rails. So they were keeping me sweet. Movie Bob did. He I got thought the he changed the name. He got the big picture back. Uh, after, he got the I big mean, picture. It took a little while, but he did eventually get it back. Ah, okay. I wonder if this, this successor will be reaching out to old, old Robert. Dunno. Dunno what he's up to these days. Um, I think he still does... Same thing as, as ever. Yeah, my own story with The Escapist was... I, I've talked about it on a Jimquisition like, a couple years back, but I uh, had an Assassin's Creed Unity review, which was my first independent review on the Jimquisition.com, largely unchanged from what was going to be on The Escapist. And Embargo hit, the review wasn't up, and I was like, what the fuck? I get a call from the site owner who was also sort of um an executive at defy and uh said yeah we we don't want that to go up we would rather reviews not mention things like microtransactions and and like the financial side of stuff we do have 
ads and that to think about, sponsorships and the like. And then I quit on the spot because I, I couldn't go with that. So I, I just said quite plainly, well, I hope you understand, of course, that this obviously means I can't keep working with you. And we had a little chat. I don't remember many of the details, but there, the message essentially was like, no hard feelings, but I don't think strong outspoken voices are really the future of, of traditional games media because sponsorships yeah. and that are important for survival. And I think really it is for the best that big voices strike out independently and that. But, you know, it worked out for the best because they had the big layoffs slash potentially ideological purges shortly after. So I, I sometimes wonder if I was made to jump before I was pushed. But if so, it worked out well for me because it meant I wasn't caught up in the layoffs. I did get my show back. And obviously the Patreon and, and the independent streak did have a, a very successful run right up until I, I um, medically induced a pair of tits. You know, you'd think, in a sane world, in a sane world, you'd have, like, five million subscribers, at least. It depends on the audience you cultivate. Like, you know, my content for many years appealed, in no small way, to the capital G Gamers TM, who aren't noted for their, their trans-inclusive attitudes. But, there, you know, we've talked about, I've talked about this before before in multiple places about about that whole thing um in any case i have been very excited by the second win stuff i've been heartened not just by seeing like so many people excited at the idea that i might contribute but just seeing that independent voice in games media that is going to have because of the names involved, because of the pedigree there, it's going to be treated like a legit part of games media right out the gate, um, as it should be. But it's mm -hmm. got that independent voice. I mean, I watched the live stream with Nick and Yahtzee, and I almost had to go like light a fucking cigarette when Nick said, like, they're not even going to stop the swearing on YouTube, which a lot of places... It's always been funny seeing, like, the free speech warriors mm -hmm. on YouTube censor themselves willingly, because if you say fuck or bugger too much, um, it eats into your ad revenue. It is amazing just how much you can get the anti-censorship set to censor themselves once you start threatening ad revenue. It's like how Elon Musk you know, claims to be a free speech absolutist until people mm. make fun of him. Whenever these people do that, like, it's the epitome of, you know, for me, not for thee. Like the Scott Cawthon thing. You know, I'm obviously despised by a lot of Scott Cawthon fans or bigots who are pretending to be Scott Cawthon fans who are so angry at me for criticising him for just having an opinion, which apparently is what, directly funding bigoted politicians is it's just an opinion but they harass me for my opinion and if if every opinion if it's acceptable to just have an opinion and you shouldn't be criticized for it why are they always harassing me to the point where many of them have never shut up about it like i get brought up in discussions about scott cawthon all the time or sometimes discussions that aren't about him my name will just get invoked 
And why why doesn't the excuse of it's just opinions wash for me? Because I don't have the right opinion or the right wing opinion in their case. You don't have the correct opinion. Exactly. Like that's just it, you know. Gamers are a hive mind for the most part and they they seem to collectively decide what what the party line is. And I'm going to use overt political Mm. speech here because I know that they would hate that. There is a party line. You have to tow it. You must be excited for the new product. You must consume. Do not think critically about anything. And the collective opinion is an objective fact. And anyone who goes astray is looking for attention. Mm -hmm. That is why people get rip shit mad with you for daring to say that the legend of zelda is good this episode's been a bit dry which is ironic because i'm so lubricated by curry sauce i feel like i should like eat a bunch of eggs and then fart like just hover my ass next to my computer microphone i would agree that dry but dry does not necessarily mean disinteresting it's true it's been a I think we've provided feud for thought. I like Jacob's Cream Crackers. They're dry. I had Jacob's Cream Crackers earlier this week. Uh, I put cheese in them. Speaking of cheese, the chocolate cheese from an earlier episode of the Trash Girl Diaries, the one that looks like a vacuum-sealed turd, it was discounted by almost half recently, so I did purchase and consume it. They literally cut the cheese. They... I see what you did there. Yeah, there's a real joke for the show. It's like flatulence, isn't it? it it's a, a classic fart gag. So anyway, I did I did yes. purchase and consume it with bagel chips, which was a good call. The very hearty bagel cracker was a good choice for a cheese that dense. Mm. I mean, honestly, if it was a turd and I passed something like that, I would have called in sick to work. Mm. Just one of those times, you know, when you're sat on the toilet and and whatever comes out of you, the ordeal is exhausting. You can hear the water in the toilet having to settle after the sudden intrusion. (laughs) It's horrifying. Yeah, I got crackers this past Tuesday because I wanked that fellow off. Oh, yeah. And then Adam dropped me off at the shop. (laughs) <laughs> and then went and got cream crackers and corn nuts. And then I, I texted my friend and just said, just wanked a guy off and I've got corn nuts. Great night. <laughs> that, that is a 10 out of 10. It was a good night. It was a good evening. Plus he said if he'd have guessed my age, he'd have put me at mid 20s. So. Ooh. Ooh, that feels good. I mean, he earned a handy just off the back of that. Like, no matter what had happened, that was a successful night. It's the one good thing about rapidly approaching 40. I hate the fact that I'm rapidly approaching 40, but I love telling people I am because of the reaction. Someone's jaw literally dropped the other day when I told them. I was at a wrestling show and was talking to one of the fans and mentioned, like, my birthday coming up, and her jaw literally hung open. It's the only good thing about rapidly approaching middle-aged. That happens to me too. 
Yeah, when people are like, oh, you know, I figure you're like, what, 26, 27? I say, I'm 34. And they're like, shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Because it's the fountain of youth is estrogen. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like Laura refers it to that all the time. And I, I consider myself very lucky there because I, I always have looked younger than I am, even before that. So once you add that in, we're laughing. Well, I'm laughing in between bouts of, of heaving because thanks to the pregnancy, it's not just my tits that do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah. As an addendum, though, to the story I told on the Jimquisition a few weeks ago where I mentioned, like, throwing up in the bathroom of someone who I was trying to um, attract, <laughs> and then their roomie... Actually, incidentally, the guy I texted about the corn nuts uh, came home and saw me in my bra because I'd been cleaning and then said, are you two been shagging? And I said, no, I think I fucked that up. By the way, I owe you both new toothbrushes. Oh. As a follow-up to that... It was confirmed that I have not fucked it up. That's lovely. So I'm quite pleased about that. Speaking of people who are uh, who are staring down 40, I'm going to send you a photograph, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. of, a, uh, of a lady who is approaching 40. Oh, it's Angela White. It's Angela White. The we... hips, though. For real. Like, she is so flexible. Like... Like, she's arching mm. her back in that picture. I mean, Angela White is just... When you think of the phrase, put together, mm. like, everything is just just working as intended. And I mean that as, as high praise. It's true. Angela White is just... She amazes me more and more every day. <sighs> Sorry, oh, now I'm just dear. staring at her tits. Do um, you get really angry if you see pictures of heterosexual relationships? Because apparently that's what AI bros think happen. I've, I've just seen this picture of Link with a, a really embarrassing soul patch, actually. Uh, Someone did AI-generated art of Link and Zelda married with children and, and posted by this little bro who says Link isn't trans post-hetero relationships to make LGBT cultists and terminally alone people mad. I saw some artwork the other day that, um, this is a, a sort of arcane practice. Um, they drew it. They drew this picture that I'm about to ma- describe to you. Yeah. It's just Link getting pegged. Bloody better be. I've seen a lot of Link getting pegged. And, uh, no, I can't say that, I can't say that it upset me. Somebody else, uh, there's a, uh, an artist of, of spicy material who I actually support on Patreon. And she drew a lovely sketch of Clive and Jill just, just pounding it. Mm. Just, just pounding it. Uh, that's uh, Bramblefix on Patreon, by the way. You should give, give her a look because she is the goat. Of Final Fantasy porn. There's a lovely quote tweet on that picture of Lincoln Zelda by LCD underscore Dem that says, AI generated art of Link in a heteronormative marriage will never compare to human drawn art of him getting roared by Ganondorf, made with passion. <laughs> and I think that, 
that really is the the treatise on art and and artistic integrity that I think uh, we all need. Really, I've seen it. I have seen because Ganondorf in Tears of the Kingdom is well. I mean, it's Daddy Dorf, isn't it? Yeah, it fucking is. I mean, it's not my way, but I can absolutely see it. You know, I I can look at Ganondorf in Tears of the Kingdom and say, you know what? He's hot. That's a hot guy right there. It's like uh it's it's like it's like looking at Jason Momoa or Roman Reigns, where it's just like that is just a beautiful man. Jason Momoa really is just an incredibly beautiful man. Speaking of fuckable men in video games though. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you recommend the video game I have come to refer to as Pinocchio? No, he's hot. Uh sure. I try not to do recommends per se, um, because I don't like telling people how they spend their money and what to buy. But I feel like you'd enjoy it. It's yeah. as far as like Souls like E games or certainly sort of a Bloodborne inspired game, as far as they go, Lies of P, uh, the game to which you refer, is very high quality, like impressively high quality. It's got some bits that I kind of have issue with some of the difficulty spikes are a bit unreasonable and like so like way too many souls likes they are so overboard with the ambushes like every corner has an enemy hiding behind it which you just get bored of the exemplar to me of of non from soft souls likes you know for better and worse is code vein from 2019 Right. Uh, which is a game I greatly enjoyed, but you want to talk about enemies hiding behind every fucking corner? Like, mm. eventually it got to a point where I was just like, I would go around a corner and then preemptively tap the parry button. Mm-hmm. And I'd say seven times out of ten that it was... Yep. Yep. Yeah. That so many souls likes do it because they they just got zealous with their learning of of the lessons that they took from Dark Souls. Or from one part of Central Yharnam in Bloodborne, where there are two ambushes back to back. Yes, I know the bit. What if that was the entire fucking game? And look, Mm -hmm. I like Code Vein. I think Code Vein was quite good. Yeah. Especially after they patched in an option to turn off the companion banter. Oh god, it never shuts up. Yeah, but now you can shut them up. Thank fuck. There's an option to shut them up and like it it makes uh it makes every character so much more likable for them to not just constantly tell you what you are doing. Yeah. Lords of the Fallen, the new one that came out a few weeks ago, is the same thing. Like, that has become one of my favourite Souls-like games, outside of From Software's work. But, again, you want to talk ambushes. That combines ambushes around every corner with platforming sequences and multiple enemies who have a big shove move that can push you several metres away and have high, like, ridiculously high poise so they can power through your offense to do it. 
And the amount of times I've just been fucking shoved off a ledge. And you can hear the developers teeheeing to themselves. Yep. 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 I really want to sit down with some of these de- developers sometimes and just, like, hit them with a rolled-up newspaper. There should be a limit on the amount of ambushes. There should be a cap. It's a newspaper if you go over it. It bothers me so much because they don't think about the effect it's going to have on, like, their players' feelings, you know? Like, it's it's... The point of a video game is to enjoy yourself. You can't just be like, oh, I'm going to frustrate people on purpose. Yeah. Look at Bloodborne. There are very few instances in which I would refer to Bloodborne as frustrating. Mm-hmm. The Temerian Elder. That's a big one. That guy can eat a bucket of shit. Mm. Above, 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 a bucket of shit. But you want to talk about games that are sold on their difficulty. I always point at, at games like Bloodborne and Dark Souls. I don't play them for the challenge. I play those games because I love the atmosphere of them. And I love the the sense of exploration. I love the mood those games evoke. And I love dressing up my little character in funny little helmets and tricorn hats. I don't play them because they're hard. I think that's such a reductive view. Like, to boil those games down entirely around their challenge and identify yourself as a Souls fan based on how easy you find it or how much you enjoy the challenge of it. Which, it's not to say that's invalid to enjoy a game for its challenge, but it's not the only reason to like those games. I agree. Challenge is a part of it. Challenge is a part of a lot of games for me. There is an appeal because my favorite thing to do in any video game is to create a build to give my character an interesting set of strengths and weaknesses. So I want a game to be hard enough that it rewards me for doing that. But that's a fine line to walk because there are times where it will reward just gaming the system. Elden Ring had this problem for me. Like, I could put together the most intricately crafted character build you've ever seen, and it would pale in comparison to just throwing up on things. I do love throwing up on things in Elden Ring. Don't get it twisted. But Mm -hmm. the catharsis that comes with knowing that my build and my character has risen to a challenge... It is satisfying, but, like, it doesn't have to be as difficult as Dark Souls or Bloodborne in order to gain that satisfaction. I've gained that satisfaction from Final Fantasy games, which very few of those I would classify as difficult. Uh, I've Mm. gained that level of satisfaction from Hades. I've gained that satisfaction from Cyberpunk 2077 or... Uh, The Elder Scrolls, or Darkest Dungeon, and all of those games I mentioned are all over the place in terms of difficulty. But, you know, like anything else, difficulty cannot be the sole point and purpose of making a game. And quite frankly, if I had, had been in any way responsible for Bloodborne, which I do earnestly believe is at, at least the best AAA video game, If I had been in any way responsible for something that varied in its brilliance 
and it just got boiled down to, oh God, uh, it's so hard. It's so hard. Have you beaten Orphan of Cost? Orphan of Cost is so hard. I would feel insulted. Yeah. Because yes, Bloodborne is difficult, but it's also a masterclass in show don't tell storytelling. It is a masterclass in atmosphere and it is a masterclass in hot women wearing beak masks because Eileen the Crow is so hot. That is true. Like, I wouldn't like it if, if with my, like, decades-spanning career and my, my sizzling intellect and my wit, if I were just reduced to a giant pair of... Actually, no, I really would like that bad example. Um, you know, actually, we were talking about Yahtzee earlier. We were. I've pretty much always been fond of his work. It took me a little bit because the first thing I was ever shown was his review of Smash Brothers Brawl, which, you know, garnered a lot of controversy. And at the time I was like 19. So I was like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? He is so often boiled down to that guy who hates every video game. Yeah. And it's like, that's that's really reductive of his work. Incredibly so. I mean, he loves video games. It's it, You know what it is? He's the, the, the food critic from Ratatouille. I don't know. Have you seen Ratatouille? I've not seen Ratatouille. Ah. Well, he uh, one of the sort of antagonistic figures of that movie, because it's about a rat who can cook, is a food critic, a very harsh food critic. But at one point, someone says, you know, you're a little skinny for someone who says he likes food. And the man says, I don't like food. I love it. And if I don't love it, I don't swallow. Which is also my philosophy toward blowing people. Yeah, yeah. If I don't love it, I don't swallow. I mean, obviously, boiling any complex work of art down to a sound bite is going to be a stupid thing to do. And mm-hmm. a reductive thing to do. And an insulting thing to do. Like, yeah, Yahtzee can be very cutting, and he's definitely uh, more critical of mainstream games than the average person who writes for fucking IGN or whatever. But his work is more thoughtful than I think it's given credit for. I am thrilled mm-hmm. to see where he goes next. And if you go there with him... Well, you know, they've got their hands full right now, definitely. And I have me and shit going on. I mean, you've always got your hands full, I assume. Well giant tits in it yeah and also i mean you're just finding guys to wank off in a, in a park i assume you've just got a dick in each hand at any given time i mean my hand was full it was not small i feel like that's most fun when you're giving somebody a handy that's when big dicks shine well i've got big hands so do i that reminds me of a story and i think i can i can maybe wrap us up with this i i, I used <laughs> to live in the northeast of the United States, and I I worked at a Target where I knew this younger guy who also worked there, and he was, like, a very typical nerd boy. Like, he wore a necklace with, like, the the logo from The Witcher on it, and this was 2015, so he had had played The Witcher 3, and he was really into it. You know, like, floppy hair, glasses, sort of a baby face, and I was, you know, very overt in my flirtation pretty much from the outset. 
but I actually didn't manage to get in bed with him for a year. It took a year. But, you know, he's like this, like, slight, short, like, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, like, you know, sort of nerdy little nevish guy. Uh, and when I finally got him in bed, took his pants off, and he had the biggest dick I'd ever seen on a man. I literally pulled his pants off and then sat up, put my hands over my mouth, and I said, Oh my god! <laughs> Anyway, uh, long story short, he came in my mouth. A happy ending. Yes. Yes, it... Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Why did I even tell that story? Because it was a good way to end a podcast. Oh, goodness. Yeah, totally. A good way to end a podcast. Come in my mouth. And I loved it. So I swallowed. Aha. Uh-huh. Well then. I do think that is a fine way to end a podcast, my my friends. <laughs> oh, Goodness, um, fucking gracious. Yes. I think I'm going to spend... I've done with my curry sauce, so I think I'm just going to spend the rest of the evening hoping that that soap opera hot guy that I mentioned on Podquisition is around this evening so I can make up for that lost connection last Friday night. Uh, but is there anything you'd like to send us away with? Any Any shilling, plugs, things of that nature? Shilling. Well, if you think of a shilling not as a simple shilling, but as a... Why was I about to quote Pygmalion? What the fuck is wrong with me? I'm gonna go now. I'm probably just gonna keep playing Cyberpunk and shut my brain off until the time comes to go grab sushi with a friend of mine. This podcast has been dry, but delectable. Like a Jacob's Cream Cracker. I could really go for a Jacob's Cream Cracker. I think that's what this episode should be called. The Jacob's Cream Cracker episode. The Cream Cracker Special. Yes. The Cream Cracker yeah. Special. Why is it called a Cream Cracker? Uh, I think it's to go with cream cheese. I I've think. I've never had it with cream cheese. I've only ever had it with like no. pepperoni and gouda is my, my go-to. For gouda. A- I like a good bit of gouda. It is my favorite cheese. It, yeah, a nice little slice of Gouda. It doesn't impose. That's what I like about Gouda. It it lets you know it's there. It is, hello, I am cheese. But it's not like a mature cheddar that's like, I am going to be your day. You are all about me, for I am cheddar. No, Gouda is like, I'm here if you need me. With a friendly like hand on your leg, but not in an inappropriate way. Just as a little sort of, just that human connection. That so few cheeses give you. That's Gouda. Gouda is the fluffer on a porn set. Yes. Gouda is the one that makes sure that whoever is raw dog and Angela White today is raring to go. Absolutely. And that they'll make sure that they're feeling good about it. I'm going to go now. Yeah, bye. Goodbye. Ta-ta.